You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on Charity's upcoming season of The Bachelorette and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up? Welcome to podcast number 337. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you today. We got the host of Coming Out for Love, the first U.S. lesbian dating competition show that is re-releasing tomorrow on their website. The host of that show, Jessica Clark, is joining me on the podcast today. You are going to love her. And we will get to that momentarily. As you know, collabing with Coming Out for Love, they are launching again tomorrow on their website, comingoutforlove.com. You have to choose one of the bundles. This is a show you have to pay to watch. It is 16 episodes long. They're going to release one episode every Friday for the next 16 weeks starting tomorrow. The episode they're releasing tomorrow is the one they did release back on Valentine's Day. They had streaming issues with their partner. They had to take a couple months, regather, regroup, and now they are re-releasing everything every Friday, And but you have to pay for it. There are different types of bundles that you can get. Each bundle, the more expensive bundle you purchase, the more things you get with it. But even the smallest bundle, $19.99, gets you all 16 episodes. So when you go to comingoutforlove.com, choose whatever bundle you want, and then at checkout, use my promo code Reality Steve for 15% off your order because that's going to help me. It's going to help the collaboration with them. And I don't get any commission off it. But when we collab, this was the deal between us that I was going to promote this show as much as I could. And I have been doing that. As you know, you're going to see it as part of the show description on whatever podcast platform you listen to this podcast on. You'll see it on the show description for the next at least month, I believe. So I'm going to be reminding you about it. And you'll hear the interview with Jessica coming up shortly. And it's a really good interview. You get to know a little bit more about Jessica, her past, what she was involved in, what brought her to the reality TV side. I mean, this is a worldwide model that, you know, ran, walked runways in Paris and, now came over to reality TV. Did she have any trepidations about it? How did she like it? Um, you know, it's a, it's a really, really good interview, and it kind of sets you up for the season. You may have seen the first episode when they launched back on Valentine's Day, but that's okay. Um, you've got plenty of time. Like I said, new episode every Friday. You don't even have to watch the episodes. It's basically like a DVR. It'll be on that site. If you purchase one of the bundles, it'll be there. You could wait until August when all 16 episodes are out and then binge it, or you can watch it weekly. Um, I've seen the first two episodes. I'm supposed to get the next two episodes, I believe, either today or tomorrow. So I'll be a little bit ahead, but I know from the first two episodes, this is a show that, like I said, it's the first U.S. lesbian dating competition show, and this is not an exploitative show. It's not in the vein of like a Tila Tequila or anything like that. This is... Very, very, it's a lot more serious. Um, there are some women on this show that um, there's one woman that's coming out for the first time. And the way they handle 
these women and the topics that come up. Very, very good conversations. I learn stuff that I did not know about from the LGBTQ community watching this show. So if I can learn, you can learn. And I think we're all the better for it when you, you learn something from these shows that maybe I didn't know. As a white heterosexual male, as I tell Jessica, like it was an eye-opening experience to watch just the first two episodes. I know I'm going to learn more as the show goes on. So check it out, comingoutforlove.com. Purchase a bundle, and at checkout, just type in my promo code REALITYC. That'll get you 15% off your order. The Daily Roundup is up. It should be in your feed by now. Uh, I guess the Bachelorette news to talk about is most of Charity's men went public on Instagram yesterday because filming ended this weekend. Now, of the Final Four, only Joey, at the time of this recording, only Joey has gone public. Xavier Doton and Aaron Bryant have not gone public as of me recording this on Wednesday night. But we'll see. Uh, It doesn't really mean anything of who goes public first, who goes public last, who goes public second of the, you know, of the final men of the season because we've had contestants go public first and end up winning. We've had contestants go public first and end up not winning. And we've had contestants go public last and win. And we've had contestants go public last and not win. So there is no, oh, this person went public last. So that means this. It doesn't mean anything. But I know that people are going to follow them and kind of see. They're going to look through all their pictures to find anything problematic because this is mostly negative. People want to find the negative in these contestants and they want to find a disturbing picture or a disturbing caption or look who they posted with or something like that. That's I don't care about any of that stuff unless it is egregious, unless it is so far like, you know, the guy's got a Hitler poster behind him. Yeah, might be a problem. But let's let's ease up on something, uh, a picture, uh, you know, from five years ago and let's put it into some sort of context and not just paint everyone with just with such a, a broad brush here. Um, I haven't looked at any of them other than Joey is the only one in the final four. Like I said, that went public. I glanced at his pictures, just a lot of tennis stuff, which is what I suspected since he's a tennis pro. So, um, check that out. If you want to, uh, if you're interested in those guys also on the uh, daily roundup today, talking about, um, the challenge survivor, the King coronation this weekend, which I know absolutely nothing about. We've got, um, I wanted to talk about Austin Butler, but then I completely forgot, so I apologize for that. That'll be coming in tomorrow's Daily Roundup. The big question, will I bring out my Austin Butler impersonation for tomorrow's story? You'll have to tune in to find out. And uh, what else? Oh, an American Idol story that uh, I had had a question on on Monday's Daily Roundup. I got an answer to. And uh, I talk about that as well. So just be ready for all that. Uh, that's on the Daily Roundup. But um, a lot to get to in today's podcast. You are absolutely going to love the host of Coming Out for Love, Jessica Clark. All right, here we go. Podcast number 337. Okay, let's bring her in. Uh, she's an actor, uh, an activist in the LGBTQ community. And she is the host of the first U.S. lesbian dating competition show, Coming Out for Love, which re-releases tomorrow on ComingOutForLove.com. It is Jessica Rose Clark. Jessica, thank you so much for joining me. 
Hi, Steve. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and I'm excited that everything has you know, been resolved. This was a launch back on Valentine's Day. Things happened, but we're relaunching tomorrow. And uh, like I said, it's coming out on the comingoutforlove.com website tomorrow. And, you know, when I spoke to Nicole, uh, Nicole Kahn, the, the creator of this show, uh, a couple months ago, I had asked her, you know, what made her go for you in this role and you know familiarity played a big role having starred in a perfect ending that that she had directed so now i'm going to ask you as someone who like i said model you're an activist you've been on the cover of some of the the world's most popular magazines what made you interested in diving into this project the reality tv world um well i had never particularly thought of myself as somebody that would um be in a position to, to help create some reality television. Um, but it has been, I, I felt as though if it could be used as an opportunity to really see the community that I know and that I love and that I'm so proud of and that I uh, have, you know, have been through the, the dating ups and downs and the falling in and out of love and navigating those steps while also being a young queer lesbian woman. Um, I just thought that that was such a wonderful opportunity and particularly um, in the sense that currently in the U.S. and in many other countries around the world, you know, the the rights of us as LGBTQ people, as as fully human existing people, are being curtailed again, and people are trying to wind back the clock, and people are trying to to fight again uh, this, in my opinion, culture war of their own creation um, that they have already lost. You know, so for me, I really saw this as an opportunity to bring, you know, an activist lens to uh to reality television i guess and it's not the first time i mean obviously uh drag race and that you know there, there are major major shows that have come before but i did think like how wonderful to center young or not so young but to, to center queer women lesbian women in a way and in a time where representation and understanding and acceptance and just love from human to human feels to be so lacking. So that drew me to that. And then the fact that it was Nicole Kahn, you know, as you mentioned, a perfect ending, perfect ending was my first feature film ever. And I was, you know, number two on the course sheet. I was the the second lead. It was a huge, it was a huge creative moment for me. And it was a very emotional, profound character that I was gifted by Nicole. And we just had we had so much fun, first of all, working together, but we also built this incredible trust together. So I knew that when I responded to Nicole, I'd love to talk about this, but we really have to talk about this because I was only prepared to uh, put my name and, and what I have fought for over the years on the line if I felt that there could be real representation. And the fact that I had that relationship with Nicole, I felt able to ask that and to know that I would get a thoughtful response. Yeah. And yeah. I think, I mean, I've seen the first two episodes. I'm going to watch uh, episodes three and four coming up uh, fairly soon, probably this week sometime. But I, if you don't mind, I want to kind of pat you on the back here. Um, I told Nicole this. I said, look, I and, I, and I'll be frankly honest with you, I had never heard of you before I watched this show. And having watched the first two episodes uh, and then doing a little research on you, you're, you're an icon in the community. But as I told Nicole, you really pop off the screen when you walk into a room. I mean, you're you're stunning, obviously, but you really command a room when you walk into it. And I and I get I guess that when you host a show and you walk into that room and 
all the contestants' eyes are on you when you walk in, and not in not in a sexual way, but just just the way you command a room. I guess that's all you can ask for as the host of this show is that you drew immediate attention, at least as a viewer, you did for me, and I could tell the contestants really liked the fact that you were the host of this show. Thank you. That um, actually really means a lot to me, Steve. I I will put that in my pocket and appreciate it um, many times over. Um, I am really glad. I mean, thank you for all the personal compliments. I really appreciate that. I dispute the icon uh, tag, but th- that's not for me. So thank you. I'll just <laughs> we'll just move on quickly from there. Um, but yes, I think that. Listen, I have plenty of my own insecurities. You know, I started as as a fashion model, a runway model when I was very young. You know, moved into commercial modeling, then moved into acting. You know, I really feel like I intrinsically understand on a on a very deep level uh, the emotions and the 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 power but also the vulnerability in being a woman on television or in the media at all and then to be a, a an LGBTQ woman as well I call myself a queer lesbian it's like yes I'm a lesbian but I'm also queer because I love my entire umbrella so if you hear me go backwards and forwards between the terms that's why I do it I love and embrace everything um, so, but it was really important. Like it can be a very, very vulnerable experience and it was always going to be, you know, they had to, the women on coming out for love, they really had to put a good amount of trust in us. You know, this is the first season. Um, we were an unproven, uh, entity in that regard. Although of course, Nicole has phenomenal, um, reputation and fans all over the world, but you know, in this sphere, we were brand new. And so we were asking these women to take a leap of faith. And so for me, I, as much as possible, wanted to create a safe space. And I mean that not in the like, everything's got to be a safe space, like like an actual, like physical, visceral, safe space um, where they could trust that they were not in harm in any which way, but also they could trust they could be exactly who they wanted to be, you know, because I think you have to that. I, I don't necessarily think that that is always the case in dating competition shows, shall we say. Yes. You know, I think that because we're, you know, new and evolved, maybe from some, from some of the, the the giant guns that have been here for 20 years and have really redefined the landscape, we're trying to redefine it again in our own way. And so is there a formula? Like, is there, you know this phenomenal woman that these 16 contestants are vying for her heart, of course, and it's fun and it's sexy and all of those things. But we also weren't sort of locked into things having to flow in an expected way. So the first two episodes that you've seen, you'll know like things, things kind of spin off the tracks pretty quickly in terms. Yeah. Right. In terms of what you wouldn't expect in a, in a, in a dating show. And we really had the freedom and the desire to kind of run with that and these women were just, they just gave us their like hearts and souls and their minds. And like, they really kind of put it out there for us. So I'm very glad that it felt that my presence helped that because that's the greatest compliment I could ask really as a host, because they, they, they create, you know, they are the show, you know, I'm there to kind of help and guide and, you know, bring in the viewer and all of that. But these women are the women that created the show in my mind. Yeah, and being a host in the first season of a show, like you said, you're kind of paving the way for how you and production want things done. There's no framework to go off of because, like you said, this is the first season that they've ever done this. Is there anything that you felt you definitely wanted 
as host of the show, I mean, I imagine you wanted all the contestants there to not just look at you as the host, but also as some sort of mentor to them as well. I don't know if I wanted, I wanted them to feel able if they, if that was something they wanted, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. I, I really tried to, I had a lot of anxiety going in. This is my first time hosting on this kind of a level. You know, I did some red carpets and things like that back in the early days of my career when I was sort of trying to figure out, you know, where I'd like to go. Um, you know, I'm an actor and I like to play other people and new characters and I like to dive deep into to their lives and their neuroses and all that kind of thing. And for me, hosting, uh, you know, that's much more your own personality, maybe an elevated part of your personality, but it's your own personality. So I had a lot of insecurity as well, being like, oh, God, like, am I going to pull this off? Am I going to be ridiculous? You know, and I just just like, look, they're going to be brave. I have to be brave. I just have to lean into who I am. I'm very tall. I have a very like strong presence. I can be very loving and very caring and very firm all at the same time. And I'm just going to I'm just going to give them that and they can like me or they can giggle about me behind my back or they can love me, you know, and, and that's for them to decide. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm I feel we all went through something pretty intense together yeah. and I really, you know, I'm grateful for them. Was were there any trepidations about just the reality TV world in general for you? It's got kind of a stigma attached to it. So was there was there any hesitancy? Are you are you a reality TV watcher yourself? Do you watch other shows? I watch some shows. I sort of dip in and out of a lot of shows, but mm-hmm. sometimes I get a kick. Like I, I got a real kick out of uh, F Boy Island. Like I watch, <laughs> yeah, like that. That, great that show. one tickled me. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was such a great premise. It really brought a fresh spin to things. Like it was very modern in terms of what's out there. Like I loved it. Yeah. So like I'll do that. I'm not like a religious lifelong bachelor watcher like Nicole and Gabrielle. Like they've watched every single episode since it was created and will watch it for the end of time you know so that's not me um i'm kind of a nerd i like to like read recaps other people's recaps and things (laughs) like that (laughs) of reality tv i knew of you when when they first mentioned that you were interested in talking about the show i was like that i know is really cool (laughs) i read about him a ton um (laughs) i I, i'm flattered because i didn't i would have no clue that you would even have a clue who i am no i never guessed that I, I I really, truly did. That's absolutely true. I used to read all kinds of like, uh, you know, TV, uh, TV on the radio. I don't know. There were a couple of like websites like earlier back in the day where they used to talk about reality shows and yeah. they would talk about you and you you were the one that had you had the, the hook. You were the only one that knew, yeah. at least at that time. So that's that's how I came to learn about you. Um, did I have trepidation? Of course. Yeah, of course I did. Um, but I also, I really try, and God, this is going to sound so cheesy, um, but I got it from Shonda Rhimes, so she can't be cheesy. I, I really am trying to say yes to things, mm. you know? I'm trying to be open and say yes instead of sort of saying no and, you know, that having been out of fear or just what's done or whatever. I'm trying to... I feel like I've been very lucky in my life, very fortunate, and I couldn't have planned where my life and where my career have taken me. And so why hold on too tight, you know, when you're really happy with how this unpredictable thing has unfolded? So I guess I tried to bring that 
that attitude. So with without giving <clears throat> too many things away, we, we can expect a ton of queer celebrity guests and judges this season. I would think that also made the contestants feel more comfortable as well as, you know, seeing people that either they're fans of or they've admired growing up help come in and help with the process. I, I, I would assume that's the case. Yeah, I mean, you, it definitely legitimizes you more as a production. You know, I think it's a it like I said earlier, it, it did require a leap of faith um, on each of the contestants and on our fabulous lead. Like they they all had to take that leap of faith. And so, yeah, you know, showing that we call them celesbians, by the way, <laughs> showing that <laughs> showing that celesbians were already engaged and wanting to be a part of it. And, and you know, and also like it's also our community. You know, when we say like made by the queer community for the queer community, queer community and everyone else that's true so you know we've all gone through these you know dating and romantic life right it's a universal thing right love but it's also very much uh defined by your culture and your age and what's happening in your world and so our queer women's circle like it's relatively small like it's not we don't all know each other but a lot of us know each other or semi know each other or have heard of each other, you know, especially now social media is such a thing. So our lesbian guests and guest judges and things, they were fully engaged and genuinely wanting to see how this is all going to unfold. And the love story really unfolds. Like, you know, a lot of our interviews have been talking about, you know, some of the very serious issues that crop up in, in the early episodes. But there's a whole wild love ride that happens throughout the course of coming out for love. And so we actually had people kind of contacting us and being, can we be a judge? Can we come in? Like what, how can we participate? Uh, so that really sort of validated us as a production. And then, yes, I'm sure it uh, also helped our wonderful contestants and our lead to feel that bit more comfortable. Yeah. I, um, I, I was looking at your uh, Instagram and I, there was a, uh, right around the time that the show was, you know, released back in, in February you had put a quote on there that I thought was really interesting. You said, coming out as a member of the LGBTQ community can, and in the past often has been, a traumatic experience for many queer people. But there is so much joy in the journey as well, and coming out for love shows that joy. I bring that quote up because I think the thing that I was impressed with the most, having only seen the first two episodes, was the women that were brought on to this show. I mean, we've got... Uh, and I brought this up with Nicole. This isn't giving too much away. We have a deaf contestant on this show. We have someone who's literally coming out for the first time on this show. I mean, you just you just don't see that on reality television very much. And I really like that quote from you. If you can speak on it a little bit more about, I guess, more about how this show ha was really a safe space for a lot of these women who were probably like, gosh, is this going to be one of those exploitative shows or something like that? Uh, these crazy-ass dating shows where it's going to be nothing but you know, cattiness and drama where it doesn't really, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's drama this season, but not like the drama you would see on, you know, Tila Tequila or something like that. The shows in the past on MTV and stuff. This really seems like a really down to earth show and the first of its kind. I would agree with, with all of that. I think, yes, I think the, uh, the, 
the joy was inescapable, you know, and, and I really do believe, by the way, in, in joy as a form of resistance as well. Um, but the for, for the women, for the contestants and for our lead and for all the judges and things like that, like it was so you just kept hearing it over and over just how amazing it was to be in this giant, you know, mansion outside Palm Springs with just all of these amazing queer people. Like it was so it was just a thrill, you know, and, and some of our contestants, like you said, they come from all walks of life from all different life experiences. Some of them are from small towns in the South, you know, and so there's an isolation there that is different to but also experienced by Michelle, who is a deaf queer woman who is also in the entertainment industry, who is dealing with multiple isolations there. And so, you know, unless you live in some of the major, major cities, you know, there are not any dedicated uh, gay or queer women bars. I think there are only a small handful now left in the country, whereas there used to be kind of almost, you know, at least one in every town. And, you know, unfortunately, the reason given for that is like, oh, well, you've assimilated now. So now you don't need them, you know, and so they don't really get the support. And then, you know, queer women are notorious for nesting, you know, so queer women will fall in love and they'll kind of you haul in together and then you know then they then they just take all the joy in nesting their home and you know hosting their friends at dinner parties and all of that and it's true like I've done it myself whereas gay men or you know non-binary people who kind of like in dating in that pool um they may stay sort of more social so anyway so so queer women bars don't really exist anymore you might get a night at a nightclub occasionally um but there's no real spaces to just go and just be and just be around all these other amazing queer women and so that you know coming out for love the the filming of that it really was that genuine experience for all of them and so that there was just an excitement and a buzz in the air and you know we always speak about in our community our chosen family right because like you said coming out can be very very traumatic it can be also filled with a lot of joy and one of the joys often in a coming out story, even if it has been very traumatic, is that you get, you find your chosen family, you know, and these people, these friends, these, you know, mentors, these, you know, younger, older, like they, they become your chosen family and the bond that exists between you and the love that exists between these people, you know, and between others in our community, it is, it is, it, it, it can fill you and warm you in the way that you, wish romantic love always would you know it's it's yeah so so i think you're picking up on all of that energy and there is plenty of drama but there isn't really petty drama i think that that i think that that's true to say i think you know this is something that was brought up to me a, a, a lot of uh, you know, covering The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, but this is the first, you know, like I said, the first U.S. Late, uh, lesbian dating competition show. So one of the things I asked Nicole, and she didn't give away names, but she said it definitely happens, is because I was like, okay, you've got 16 queer and lesbian women competing for a, a queer lesbian woman in Amber. Well, what if the contestants fall for each other? Because they're all into women, and she said, "Oh yes, you'll definitely, mm. you'll definitely see that." She didn't give away any names, but I'm interested to now see. Okay, well, how does this happen? Where does it go? And I think that adds a whole other element because then, you know, the lead Amber has to deal with that. Like, okay, well, wh- which one do you like more? Do you like her or do you like me? And I'm sure right. that com- I'm sure that comes up. And um, so before we get into to Amber and talking about her as, as the lead this season, just 
a little bit uh, background on yourself and is when you talk about this, I don't know anything about like when you came out, was it tough for you and when it coincided with your modeling career. So how old were you when you came out publicly and where were you in your modeling career at that time? Well, technically, I publicly came out when I was about 12 and at a family barbecue where somebody asked me something about my future. And I was like, oh, when I grow up, I'm going to be a lesbian. Um, <laughs> <Wow>. so, <laughs> yeah, which the entire table of adults just laughed at me like they didn't take me seriously at all. My mother included. Um, so technically, that was it. Um, but but in reality, I would say that in my personal life, it was never particularly a secret. Um, and so coming out for me was very much wrapped in with my modeling career because mm. as I had started to, you know, gain some success, I grew up in London. I started there. I moved to Paris. I did runway there for a while. I came to New York, did runway, and then ended up doing really well in New York and staying there. And um, so I started doing fairly well. And, you know, a couple of websites started covering me. And after Ellen, which at that time was 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 the only uh that I recall, the only queer women, the only lesbian uh, sort of entertainment website at the time, they had some kind of a, you know, little interview, little spiel with me. And somebody piped up that um, I was the girl. Oh, that's right. So Usher, the singer, mm -hmm. made some kind of random comment about, you know, you know, the, the men are so lame these days. That's why all the women are turning gay or something like that. You know, I don't it's not verbatim. Um, and somebody on MySpace because it was the ten something on MySpace, MySpace popped up on this website going, I know we're, we're, we're friends on MySpace and that girl's a lesbian. Um, so then it became, you know, Usher, you know, because I'm in the music video, Let It Burn with Usher, which at the time was it's like in 2004 or something. It's like oh, I didn't a while know you, ago. A, oh, didn't know you were in that. Okay. Yeah, it's a great video, oh, if yeah. I do say so myself. Not because I'm in it. It's just a really beautifully produced um, music video. I was trepid I was trepidatious about that one too because I was like, ah. Um, and it and it's a really beautiful kind of story bound music video. Um, but anyway, so that all kind of pops up, and then it was like, oh, the girl, you know, the uh, Usher's the Usher girl is gay, and blah blah blah, and you know, it kind of became a little bit of a, a little bit of a talking point for a while, um, and I. I mean, I just kind of wrote it out. I was very lucky that my agents in New York um, knew already and also um, had no intention of trying to force me to be in any kind of closet because that's definitely something that still happens if you're trying to get, say, one of the, you know, bigger cosmetic campaigns, international campaigns or something like that, you know, corporate companies very slowly and now changing yeah. but back then you know they they were definitely kind of hands off with that kind of thing so i was warned um but i wasn't i was still supported you know gotcha. um yeah so i just i guess got, i mean it's one of those things you know you lose some jobs become of it because of it but i also know that my community embraced me and i got other opportunities because it was known at the time so you know Hmm. Well, I, I, you know, it's funny you you mentioned that after Ellen, um, that was the interview that I found on, online of you that I read, and this was, you know, this was 15 years ago. This was 2008, and, and I That's found my it. first ever interview. Yeah, was it your first one? Okay, <laughs> so I'm reading it, and you know, I I wasn't familiar with your past, but being in the modeling industry, one of the answers that you gave was, yeah, um, 
cigarettes and cocaine was basically standard craft services uh, for any modeling job. And I thought one of the questions they asked you, you had a really interesting answer to it. They asked you, did you have an, ep- an epiphany that you didn't want to live like that anymore? Living that, you know, uh, that drug life being in that. And you said, I had an epiphany that I couldn't live like that anymore. And I kind of wanted you to talk about how difficult that was, or maybe it wasn't difficult for you to stop. I don't know, but you were at a time where I think you said you were 5'11 and weighed 105. And so, yeah, I guess your epiphany was, I, I can't live like this anymore. There's no way. Yeah, I mean, I think it was fairly literal, you know. I'm sure I was also being trying to be profound but yeah i mean that for me at least um it it's all interwoven right so you're expected to be an extremely low body weight even though you're very tall um you travel all the time so you're always between time zones it's very hard to sleep um you're very isolated from you know any friends you had growing up or anything your only other friends are models who are also living on the same kind of schedule that you are. So it's a very lonely kind of transient life. Um, and there's also obviously wonderful parts about it. You go to great countries and great hotels and those things sometimes if you're lucky. But it's a lot of being alone in those hotel rooms and being alone in the airport and delayed for seven hours by yourself and, you know, still always having the I shouldn't eat that or I shouldn't drink that because when I land, I have to go to work here. And, you know, so you're exhausted, you're lonely, you're trying to eat significantly less than my, in my case, less than what my body required. Um, And so it all becomes intermingled. Uh, So, so I found, um, I found recovering from that whole life quite challenging to be completely honest with you. Um, so yes, the drug use, like, of course that's difficult, but it's also so interwoven with eating disorders in whatever way they presented. Like I, I, at the time I didn't know a single model that didn't at least have disordered eating, if not a full blown eating disorder. Um, and so stimulant drugs, you know, they're, they, they help with that. So it's a very, I did find that, okay, you can, you can, you know, people, places and things drugs right or alcohol you can keep yourself as separate as you like but you still have to eat at some point and if you're not eating then that's a problem in and of itself as well so i really felt that that my emotional and physical well-being was just being battered around and for me certainly like you just get to a point where you feel so low and you and so physically weak it's like i they I, I, I have to do this forever. Like this, this is, this is the life. And, and obviously I know where you can, you can leave and you can stop and you could, don't have to do that career. And all of that is true. And I'm from England and I'm very fortunate that I wouldn't be going back to, you know, a, a lot of models support their entire families, you know? So, yeah. um, so I had that, but it's very difficult to extricate yourself from a career that you start very young you know, and I've always been a very ambitious person. And so for some reason, quitting my career just never even occurred to me. So I, I really, once again, I was very lucky that I had a supportive agent. Um, and I, she said to me, I had, I had like a hysterical breakdown backstage at some runway show in Paris. I remember this so well because I was the weakest and thinnest I think I've ever been in my life. And they were mad at me because I wasn't thin enough. And I just, 
I just, because they speak to you like that all the time, like everywhere, like it, it, particularly in runway, it's very vicious and very dehumanizing, but it just like that, like I just snapped and I was like, I am effing done. Like, I hate this. I, you know, and plenty of other expletives, you know, down the phone to my poor agent. Um, and, and she said, uh, she said, she said, don't worry, baby. She's like, there's more than one way to make a supermodel. And I would just thought that was hilarious, yeah. but also like so reassuring. She's just like, this is just, this is the the package they sell you, but you don't have to do that. Like you can, you can build a career another way, you know? And that's not saying that I was a supermodel because I was not in any way. I was just a very lucky working model. But I always kind of replay that in my head, you know, like when you asked about dipping your toe into reality TV, like how did I feel about that? Well, you know, you really... if you take opportunities, right. And I really feel like coming out for love was such a, an opportunity to potentially do a lot of good and also have a lot of fun. They make that work, like make it a thing, like make people want to watch, you know, make people take you seriously, seriously as a host, like whatever it is since that time that, that you're referring to. And I'm like, I just couldn't live like that any longer. I've really tried to take that approach to both my life, my actual life and my career. Um, now that doesn't mean I don't get still super in the down in the dumps and all of that um, because I'm an emotional human being, but, but that's what I bring myself back to. Well, I, I appreciate you sharing that. I really, uh, I, I'm really impressed by, by all that. And just the fact that, you know, cause some people in that world don't make it through that. And it looks like you had, a support system that was it that allowed you to get through that. So, I did. oh, may I just? I'm so sorry to interrupt, no, Steve. I I would just like to say because I was very lucky and I did have very very supportive agents, but a lot of models absolutely do not. And there is this incredible organization in New York called the Model Alliance. Um, it's run by Sarah Ziff Z I F F um, at the Model Alliance is on Instagram, and they have done so much work. She approaches the industry from a labor rights perspective and so they've tried to unionize models before and it never works because we're international and it's too many different things but she has brought in she has helped get passed several different labor laws that now incorporate models and young models and having recognition of that and they also offer legal and um, emotional support for experiences so if you are in the fashion industry or you know somebody that is and they've got their they're they're being mistreated in any way the model alliance can and will help you that's great that's uh that's definitely great to hear because there's something actually brewing right now in just the reality tv world about um contestants kind of unionizing and forming a foundation to help people coming off reality tv because it's not i don't want to say it's not real life but once you're on the show and then you get spit back into your real world there isn't a lot of help out there and especially if you go on a really popular show and all of a sudden you're just like your, your life changes you got all these people now interested in your professional life they're digging through your past tweets they're digging through your instagram they're trying to find any dirt that they can on you you're the subject of rumors online and there's just no help being given so there's actually a foundation that's starting called uh that's starting recently called you can that's that's doing that for 
reality show contestants. But um, so speaking of coming out for love, I want to get back to that. Um, talk about Amber, our uh, our key master for the season, Amber Whittington, uh, the one whose attention everyone is vying for. Had you known of her before the show started or when filming started, that's the first time you had gotten to know Amber? No, I knew Amber prior to. Um, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I knew her. Um, we have uh, haven't had a very friendly relationship. You know, it's it's uh, like I said, it's it's that circle in the city that you live in. And she's a very obviously preeminent um uh, LGBTQ voice. She's an activist. She does a lot of political work. And, uh, you know, through her YouTube channel and things, she has really, I think she speaks on it as she tried to create the resource that she wished she could have had. Um, because Amber herself, and you look at her and she's gorgeous and stylish and is really deep and so thoughtful and just very, um, a very emotionally present person. Um, and, she'll be she she goes into it on the show like coming out was not the easiest process for her you know and i would never have thought that meeting her because she just oozes confidence and you know all of this stuff so it just goes to show you, that you never know someone's story um so so yeah so i did know her socially like that and in fact when um nicole expressed that you know amber was one of her her dream um leads i was sort of like i might be able to help with an introduction you know um so and then it got taken you know after with all the, the grown-up legal people and stuff like that yeah. um but yes i was absolutely thrilled uh that she agreed to be our inaugural lead i'm a huge fan of her personally and professionally um and i really you know i i wanted to help be a part of part of a, a queer women, a lesbian dating reality show that wasn't just, as you mentioned before, like exploitation and, and sort of through the male gaze and all of those things, you know, and Amber as a lead, like she would never have allowed that. You know what I mean? Like she has such a, such an understanding of who she is and such a respect for women, you know, that, that sort of, that sort of infiltrates throughout the whole show, you know, and, and so I think that that's why there wasn't really like petty drama or the kind of like, you know, you know, like things that weren't about real issues because that Amber doesn't play like that. You yeah. know, like I, I think the the women very quickly, I mean, some of them knew who she was instantly as soon as they saw her, because obviously they didn't know who the lead was going to be when they signed up for the show. Um, so she definitely had a number of people blushing immediately upon them realizing that it was her. Um, but even if you didn't know her and even if you didn't know her activism work and, you know, her political work and things like that, her energy right away would have told you that that, that is not the way to win a key any to get anywhere near her heart. Um, so she kind of really put the, put the stamp on that. And then it was just, honestly, I loved it. Like you, so many of the women were genuinely super attracted to her, you know, completely yeah. understandably. She's gorgeous, but they were, you could really, it was like a visceral thing. And I was like, this is amazing because, you know, I'm sorry. Sometimes I watch shows and I'm like, eh, I'm not buying it. Like I, you, you have to say that because if you don't say that you're not on the show, but I am not buying that attraction on any level. Sorry. You know, sorry, not sorry. Um, I did not get that at all in this season of Coming Out for Love. Um, and so it was, it just made it that bit sort of 
you know, sexier and more fun because it really, there was no having to, you know, pull things out of the women when we asked about Amber. It was, you know, she she held their attention, that's for sure. Not to say, not, not to say that there weren't some uh, cross-housemate um, sparkly eyes. Yeah. And, I, and I, you know, I watched these episodes back in February, and I haven't watched them since, so I'm trying to remember. It was either the end of the – it's either the end of the first episode or beginning of the second episode, or maybe it bleeds right there of when she is actually introduced to all the women and everyone's in the pool, right? That was when mm-hmm. – so, yeah, everyone sees her, and they're all kind of – they thought they were having, like, I guess a pool party that day, and all of a sudden here comes their lead. And, yeah, there is some visceral reaction right away to her and very – you can tell people were, were definitely into her. But, you know, we talk about the drama this season and in the episode that I saw, episode two, like this show wastes no time jumping into some serious issues. And and that is with Michelle Lundy. And, you know, I talked about it with Nicole. We don't get into too much detail because we want people to watch it. But from your perspective of everything that went down with Lundy and everything that does go down with her, I guess as a host, where did you see it going? Were you surprised where it ended up? Did you like how it played out? Did you like the talk surrounding it? Hmm. Um, well, we genuinely didn't know. Yeah. I definitely didn't know. I can tell you that. Um, it. I think it happened instantly like that because there's nowhere to hide right in a show like this you know and it, it like you said it was the the first day and there's some recognition that happens and you know for some people it's not a good thing um it didn't surprise me that it didn't surprise me that the conversation that happened that the confrontation happened because i do know amber and and she is she doesn't shy away from things, you know, she's not confrontational, but she's also not going to sort of bury something and pretend it's not there. Um, and I think we also, we, oh, like we can't go in and be like, this is a safe space. You can say whatever you want, you know, at, to, to everybody um, and be like, you're free to say whatever you want and then feel like we were concealing something or trying to make sure we were still hitting our, you know, different segments of how a show is planned out or something like that. So it, it felt like the only the only thing that we could do with the kind of show that we wanted to create was to dive in. Um, I felt, listen, I'm a skeptic, okay? So I would probably be, I'm, I'm absolutely a believer that, that, that people grow and learn and change. I, I certainly have many, many different times throughout my life. Yeah. Um, I did... I kind of side-eyed the, I didn't know that was a bad thing. Uh, I didn't understand its history. You know, these kind of things. I was like, oh, please. Like, how? Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, so so I'm the first to be like, that. that's my internal thing. Um, and I don't think that I conceal that, um, that I find that difficult to believe. But also, like, it's not, It's it wasn't about how I felt about it right it's about how the other contestants felt and how that changed the dynamic of the house and you know whether people felt comfortable being close to that person to lundy after those things came out 
you know, that's about their journey and coming out for love is about their journey. It's about their experiences together and their journey toward, you know, finding love or learning more about themselves or whatever it is. Um, so, so yeah, I, I kind of had to put my little toot in my pocket a bit, <laughs> you know, I probably would have been tougher earlier. Yeah. Um, having said that, you know, sometimes I'm very, grateful that I have to, you know, move myself out of the way because I think it really did become, it became a healing experience for the other women, you know, and I want to take out the sort of, because I do have a little bit of an issue with the sort of, you know, the, I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for this, but like the, you know, the, the white, hero heroine and like fragile white tears and like oh my god it's so hard when i get called out for things like i'm uh, like i'm not i'm not really there for that i'll be honest i'm not um however the the conversation that it begat from the other women and the the sharing of their different experiences and the different ways that they've chosen to to, to live through that and or heal from that, how they are choosing to live their lives differently, how they would raise their children differently. You know, I think that, that they, all of those women and, you know, a lot of black and brown women in that conversation or for all of those women, it was a very, very healing thing. And I loved that I got to see that. And I was so impressed by their soulfulness and I was so impressed by their capacity to forgive and love. Like that's, you know, honestly, that's that's personal work that I try to do with myself um, to not be so harsh. Um, and as it turned out, you know, it clearly had some kind of profound effect because I I think Nicole shared with you a little bit like the story is not over. You know, there's the explosion uh, with Lundy, 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 but th- but there's an evolution in that story. Um, and you know, however you get there, if you get there, like, I like, okay, like do the work. Yeah. You know, do the work. It's about, it's about as in episode two, when it all blows up, it's about as real and raw as a conversation as you're going to get with 15 other women sitting around firing at her, um, their thoughts about what has come up from her past. So I can't wait to see, uh, it play out in the next few episodes because even that, just watching the conversation start because it basically, I believe episode two ended on like more of a cliffhanger of, okay, well, where do we go from here? And Mm -hmm. that's, that's definitely going to play out obviously in future episodes. I don't know the result of it, but I can't wait to see it because I, you know, when you, when people watch reality TV, especially my fan base, that is bachelor and bachelorette. It just seems like every conversation, while it is a real conversation, it seems like, uh, a producer is directing you about what to talk about and like bringing it up off camera. Like, Hey, when you go and sit down with them, talk about this, this mm-hmm. conversation about Lundy, you can tell was not like, okay, let's take it in this direction. Guy. It was no, I mean, we're, we're going to stop this down and we're going to get to the bottom of this. And everyone's going to have a chance to speak on how they feel right now in this moment, knowing this information. I don't know how many of the other 15 women even knew, before it came up, but we find out pretty much how they all feel about it in that moment. And that's just not something you see on reality TV. And I thought it was great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We're, we're really, really proud of 
this as a piece of television. Um, and and like you said, it it just is so real. And people aren't cruel, but they are very honest. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that that I think that that needs to be seen. I think that that needs to be viewed and digested. And this is why representation matters. Right. This is why it's important to have the multitudes of humanity on television, because when you really see somebody talk about the genuine pain and isolation that and and Michelle, um, who's our deaf contestant, she's so much more than that. So I, I dislike her, but she she's our contestant that is also deaf. Yeah. And and, you know, she there, there's there's there are some times where she, where Michelle has to let some people know and. It, it's not meant it, it it's just so organic like it's there all of a sudden there's no lead up into it there's no like you're going to get a lecture now there's no nothing it's just like hi by the way have you ever considered this yeah and then as a viewer you're like oh my god no not really you know like that's that's the power of reality television that like truthfully like although it's a you know, it's a heightened experience and it's not real life and all of those things. It still is though, right? Because it's still these real people. And and I'm really glad to hear that the You Can is working with reality um, contestants and because the the emotion that is brought up, It, I mean, we definitely had several instances where we, you know, you have to do wellness checks. Like you have to be conscious that you're asking these people to, to express and release stuff that may not have been said yeah, at I, all. Yeah, I think, and like I said, with this conversation with Lundy, it really, it just, it spurs a bigger conversation and it, and it has all these, you know, it's like the main conversation and then all these branches off of it that, like you said, most people maybe didn't think about. And so certainly someone like me, you know, a heterosexual white male listening to that conversation, those were all things that I had never thought about in my life when it comes up. Um, so it just, it just helps people learn and it helps people to maybe understand, um, the queer community better because I, like I said, I didn't before any of this, it's just not stuff that I would really think about on a daily basis. You know, why would I? And to see it, I feel like good. Now I'm learning something. And I feel like if you can learn something from anything you see on TV or a book or an interview or a documentary, that's, that's good that we're all learning. And, um, so I, I can't wait to see how, uh, this whole thing plays out. Um, one other thing I wanted to end with is you guys are doing uh, an after show, um, and your co-host, uh, you're you're doing this after show, right, with Michaela Gordon? I, with Michaela Gordon, yes, yes, yes. yes. Michaela yeah. Gordon from you know when I when this all launched back in February and you guys did that live thing and I was watching, I was like, hey, I know her from American Idol. Like I'm, I'm a huge American Idol fan. Like yeah, and I knew that. I was like, that's the. I remember her from Idol. She went pretty far. And you know, then I had to Google her. I was like, what season was she again? And I totally remembered it. Um, but yeah, so you are going to be doing an after show with Michaela Gordon. After is it going to be the same time every week? Because we know episodes are released every Friday. Tomorrow we're gonna re- gonna re-release uh, the first episode on May fifth, and then every Friday going forward what time or when can people expect the after show to be up to where they can watch it i believe the after show will go live after immediately after or fairly soon after the show okay um yeah 
So, and it will be, and I just adore Michaela, like phenomenally talented, just the funniest, the funniest woman in the world. I just like, I'm so glad that she is, you know, a part of coming out for love. Um, so, so yeah, so it's going to be kind of, you know, the, the opinions about the show, what did we think? Like all of that stuff that you would expect. But we also, um, upon the elimination, when each woman, you know, when she finally does not receive a key from Amber um, and she's asked to leave the house, um, we obviously did an exit interview. That's fairly standard. But then we decided that we should have a little fun because, you know, being eliminated is never fun. And so we sort of did these, uh, so we, we call them the after dark interviews. So just, uh, you know, uh, it, <laughs> if you did have any parameters on what you wanted to say, now would be the time to release them. So just like a little sexier, a little feistier, a little maybe more um, challenging or confrontational. We really kind of once again, let it evolve from, you know, how each of the women was feeling and what she wanted to talk about. Um, so we're going to we're going to bring in sort of a little bit of. Uh, you know, spice from from the women about the house once they've left. So I, I think it's going to be a pretty a pretty fun after show. I'm excited. Gotcha. Well, I I mean, like I said, I can't I can't wait to watch more of it. This is going to last pretty much all summer. I mean, every new episode is going to be every Friday going forward. I think if I mapped it out correctly, the finale is not going to be till August 18th. So one episode every Friday. It's coming out for love. Dot com. You click on bundles in the upper right hand corner, purchase whatever bundle you'd like. Um, I, you know, as I've been telling my listeners, Reality Steve is the promo code for 15% off and check it out. Um, Jessica, I can't thank you enough uh, for coming on, sharing your story, getting everybody excited again uh, about coming out for love. Like I said, can't wait to watch it. And I, I can't thank you enough once again uh, for coming on the podcast this week. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. I really appreciate it. And I can't wait for you to watch the rest of Coming Out for Love and for all of your viewers, hopefully, as well, to come along for the ride. We're, we're really excited. Thanks, Jessica. And uh, we'll be in touch. Fantastic. Thank you, Steve. Bye. Thank you so much to Jessica for coming on, talking about that. And like I said, I'm going to be promoting it uh, for, you know, all summer. It's not something you have to watch live, the episodes. It's just, it's, it's like, you know what, it's, the same as any other television show that gets released on a on a streaming platform. Once the episode goes up, you can watch it whenever. You can wait until the end of the summer and then binge all 16 episodes, but you have to purchase it because it is not free. There are different types of bundles you can purchase, 19.99, 29.99, 49.99 and 99.99 and even the smallest bundle gets you the whole season and then I think you get one of the after darks that Jessica was talking about and then if you get the second bundle i believe that covers you get to watch all 16 after dark so there's little bonuses you get by going up in bundles but whatever bundle you purchase just go to comingoutforlove.com click on the bundle you want and at checkout your promo code is reality steve and that'll get you 15 percent off um so thanks again to jessica for coming on talking about the show talking about her life experiences in the modeling world and whatnot it was Really enlightening conversation, and I'm really excited for a lot of you guys to watch this uh, to watch this show because if the first two episodes are any indicator, I think this is going to be a very powerful show. And when I spoke to Nicole last week on a conference call, looks like season two is happening. So uh, definitely dive into this uh, if you can. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple Podcast. Much appreciated. Once again, thank you to Jessica Clark, the host 
of Coming Out for Love for coming on. So for Jessica, I'm Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in, and I will speak with you tomorrow. See you!